The Break Room from Griffin Wink Advertising. Live streamed on Facebook and YouTube every other Wednesday. Audio presentation available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Break Room, where uh, myself and any other co-hosts who want to step in for the week, take a break from their work day to discuss some uh, events and activities occurring in the world of advertising. Today, we have an exciting show for you as we break down what's important in web design, as well as the social media usage across different generations. So uh, without further ado, I'll welcome my co-host for the day. We have Brian Wink, our CEO and president as well as Summer Hill and Chelsea Homan and our brand strategists. So quick question, did Eric go robot for anybody else or was it just me? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But, but I sounded like a transformer. Oh. I could still hear you though. It was like trans, yeah, more like transformer. Like I could, he- I could understand so, you just robotic. Very weird. You sounded like still Optimus gone. Prime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Huh. I wonder if everybody uh, saw that on the live stream. I'm trying to tell. Because I'm sure people jumped in immediately once we started. Yeah, they were like, oh. Oh, yeah. Click. Finally, it's the uh, break room. <laughs> yeah. People are waking up from their naps just for this. Yeah, it's your post-siesta advertising discussion. Right. So, um, so I was... I, I kind of went down some rabbit holes today, uh, this morning, as we were kind of tossing around some subjects and topics to talk about. And I started going like really far down some rabbit holes. I was like, I'm pulling myself out of this rabbit hole before I get too far down there. And these would be some good topics. But um, one of the, the topics that I was uh, thinking of today was websites. Like, there's so much going on with websites right now. And it's it's a lot of like, what should be on a website? What shouldn't be on a website? How should it function? And what is the actual reality of a website? Like, why have it? What, what is the, the purpose there? And so um, I was thinking since Eric was going to be on today, I thought that's a perfect topic for him and Chelsea and Summer. So there you go. That's my kind of semi introduction of a subject and go. Well, thank you for leading into the broadest <laughs> conversation uh, we've ever had on the break room. But no, uh, I was like, we want to keep it broad in general, so why not? Yeah, 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 exactly. We'll definitely not run out of things to talk about uh, this week. That's well, for sure. There you go. Well, what made me think about it is a lot of our conversations that we've had the last couple of days is we're building out our new website, and it's like, what, what is? what's the functionality of the website? Like, why is it there? Is it there to show our work or is it there to show people how we can help them? Or what are the goals? What are the goals of a website? The question right there, Chelsea, is before you can determine what the usage of, you got to determine what the goals are. So it depends, you know, across all industries. Some, you know, if you're an artist or a photographer, you want to create a portfolio that demonstrates, you know, your skill level and, then the uh, opposite side, if you're in the services industry, you want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to understand, build trust and uh, understand your brand, build trust and convert into an actual lead. So 
kind of up in the air across all aspects of web design. I don't know. What do you guys think? I know I've heard you say, Eric, I'm clearly no, I'm no web guru over here, um, <laughs> listeners. Um, Eric is our, our web guru over here on the call here. But um, I know one thing that you've mentioned time and time again, especially for our like service industry clients is, or really anyone, anyone that's trying to get leads to call them or make appointments is you'd be shocked how many people have websites where their phone number is hard to find mm-hmm. or their, their call to actions hard to find. So that would be where their goals and call to actions and their website design are not aligned. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we see a lot of people go for more kind of lukewarm, um, options when it comes to putting together call to actions and instead of something really strong and to the point or that has their contact information inside the call to action itself like a phone number email you know you see something like learn more or about us and it's like yeah that's fine you know those are good pages to have to bolster your website to kind of build trust but at the same time it's like if i'm on a plumbing site chances are I don't necessarily want to learn about the history of your company, but I do want to get in contact with you to stop no, the flood especially, in my house. Yeah. Like if, if the, if there's water leaking on my, if there's water pouring down from my ceiling. I'm not like trying to find your phone number. Like I want mm-hmm. to call you ASAP Rocky. So yes. that's definitely a conversation that, that we're having. And so that's kind of what I think Brian was saying is we're trying to kind of take that, take that, look into our own website now is what are the goals of Griffin Wings website even? How Three chains. And we got to see how many more rat puns we can work into this episode now. What did you say? What did you say? I said, I said, go ahead. Three chains. <laughs> I kind of think anymore though, websites almost sort of need to function as like a business card almost meaning and that comes with saying it like that kind of comes with a lot of caveats like how can you get every piece of information that you need to get onto your business card right and then how and then how can we you know how can we take that idea and turn it into like a website where you're answering the most important questions for your people without bogging them down with a bunch of stuff that they don't want to know about or that they're not going to click on or click through. And I think we kind of fall into a trap sometimes like with trends as Mm -hmm. certain types of websites kind of become popular, whether it's, I mean, you see it all the time, the, you know, panels, panel websites, one page websites, as these things Mm -hmm. kind of come into trend, we kind of like fall into everyone does it. But the question is, is that how we really should approach it? Like, just because this is the thing to do, does it make sense to even do it that way? Or are we just doing it because 99% of websites are going to have that same look and feel? Exactly. You nailed it there, Summer. And I think, you know, even as an agency ourselves, we've fallen into that trap before of trying to innovate too much, you know, when in reality, there's basics that you need to meet, you know, before you can add in that innovation piece. And you can't let the uh, cart come before the horse or else, you know, you have a really, really cool looking website that doesn't convert any leads. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Hey, Brian. I mean, that, 
to me, that's the hard line to walk though, because, you know, in our particular industry, it's about inspiration. Like, and, and you guys have heard me talk about this a lot, but our job is to inspire action. And so our, our website needs to be creative enough. It needs to be actionable enough. It needs to be clear enough to inspire whoever's looking for our services to contact us versus anybody and everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you walk that line really of being cool, being trendy, being hip, inspiring them to go, Hey, these guys seem to really have it going on and get them to contact us. And is it easy for them to contact us? Mm -hmm. Is, yeah. Is it easy to get in touch immediately? You know, what kind of information is going to need to be gathered for them to become a lead? There's so many different things to kind of consider, even when it just comes down to what the conversion looks like. You know, if you're trying to collect information, how much information do you realistically need, you know, and what's that sweet spot when somebody's filling out, let's say a contact form, they might answer two or three questions. They might put their name and email in, but you know, will requiring a phone number lead to more fatalities throughout the form process? Will putting, you know, more demographic questions or specific inquiries lead to higher fatalities? And it's like, at what point, you know, do you have that perfect balance of collecting the info you need making it easy for the user to convert. And yeah, I guess that's really it. There's no third part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it depends also though on the demographic of the person who's on your website because mm -hmm. you know, a millennial is not going to spend nearly as much time on your site, perhaps as someone who maybe is a little bit older, who maybe not, might not be as familiar with the internet. They're looking yeah. for different types of information too. Um, you know, someone who might be on their oh. phone, they're looking for something that's super integrated where they can just like click a button and automatically connect and either, I don't know, send you a text message or send you an email or give you a phone call. Whereas, you know, someone else, you know, having just the phone number there, that's not, you know, integrative at all is fine. They'll just, you know, it really depends on the person. Hmm. Well, Absolutely. I think that brings up, you know, great point. Like is a form fill out. I know that's what everybody wants, but is a form fill out really an actionable item that people are going to take action on? I don't fill out forms. I'm like, I don't want to get sucked into some marketing ploy, you know, cause I know what happens when you fill out. It's email city and you're getting bombarded with emails and I know. It's like fun no fact for anybody watching. We actually don't have any automated signups for contact form fills on any of our client sites uh, without first checking the box. So don't worry, you will not get right. spammed. But it's like there's there's so many, and, and you know, Summer brings up a great point with the demographics side of it. Is like, is our site being built, or is our site built to? who is going to take the most action with us? Like mm -hmm. who's looking for our services right now? You know, is it uh, millennials? Is it Gen Z? Is it Gen Y? Is it Gen X? Who is, who is looking? The hell is Gen for Y? Services? Dude, I'm, I'm really hoping <laughs> you're, you're kidding right now. Okay. I looked this up because I, I didn't want to 
not know what the heck I was talking about. And Gen Y was born miss, between. You didn't want to miss generation anybody. Right. Gen, Gen Y is <laughs> also known as. Oh wait. <laughs> oh, I'm so man. happy nobody watches this show. Um, Gen Y was born between 1981 and 1996. Oh. So. Wait. What? Basically, you're millennials. Wait, repeat that one more time. <laughs> Gen Y was born between 1981 and 1996. So that's me. I'm, I'm Gen Y now. Well, you're a millennial. Yeah, that's weird. Gen Y is really the millennials, I, I think. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So like okay. 20. Yeah. Because like, I'm an Xer. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. They broke it down in this article that I read, like Gen Z is 18 to 24, millennials are like 25 to 40, Gen X 41 to 56, and then baby boomers 57 to 74. Sounds about right. Then I don't what? think we have to worry about anybody in like the, the lost silent generation. generation. No, silent, that's what it is, not the lost. <laughs> lost generation was World War I or something. 1883 to 1900. Naturally. Of course. Then it went the greatest generation, then the silent generation, because there was a bunch of babies that nobody wanted to talk about because they weren't necessarily. Never mind. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, baby boomer generation. And then. Gen Although, X, did you hear a Gen fun Gen Z. theory about reincarnation that why the baby boom happened after World War Two was all the loss of life created a mass reincarnation event where more people were then to have children. Not to go down a tangent, but just kind of a that would be something to that's keep in the in mind. same same silo as the uh, simulation theory. Exactly, like everybody just respawns. Much, much less credence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Mass respawn. Um, uh, and then you have the alpha generation. Like I don't know who came up with that one, but if you're Sigma born generations in generations, way cooler. Twenty thirteen to twenty twenty five is the alpha generation. Huh. Yeah, I'm still one of those millennials. It's like, yeah, 1999 was like 10 years ago. Like, what are you talking exactly. about? Like, <laughs> I cannot believe how fast it's it's ridiculous. I'm like, Vanilla Ice just released his album. Or it's like, you know, when we're interviewing people for internships, and it's just like where I'm doing the math, and I'm like, okay, so you're 18. Oh, okay. You were born in like, you know, 2003. That's terrifying. Like, it's just like, it blows yeah, me right. away because the concept of time. Yeah. After 9-11, nothing really feels real, but that's another discussion. Entirely, <laughs> right. But um, my brother, no, my brother's a junior in high school. So he's substantially younger than me, but he was born, he was born in 04. Totally See, like that, Eric man. is getting to the point like, now where he's interviewing these people and Eric's getting real close to being able to go. Man, I could have kids about your age. That is, well, yeah. I mean, five more years. <laughs> uh, you're getting close. Now I'm bringing people on. I'm like, dude, I, yeah. Like half the people in our organization are young enough to be my kids. I'm like, this is scary. Like I got old yeah. real fast. <laughs> no, I totally feel you. It is, uh, it happened overnight. It, it happened it, for us. It happened when Isaac turned ten. Wasn't that like a two weeks ago? Yeah, things got just real got old real. In two weeks. 
<laughs> He's not handling it well. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> It's been a long two weeks. It, it's been a stressful for two weeks for everybody around me. Yeah. So, but well, the the generation. I, I mean, I don't want to necessarily jump from the website side too quick of our conversation, but this generation thing really does bring to light a lot of topics for us. But, yeah. um, you know, really, that's one of the questions that I think businesses have to ask themselves when it comes to websites is, you know, who am I really attracting with this website? Like who's engaging with my website and is it built to engage with them? Not you. I mean, if you're business owner and in your in generation, whatever, and you're actually trying to attract a whole different generation, then this website really shouldn't talk to you. It, it shouldn't be hitting on what you think you like and what's cool and everything else. You should be relying on your agency to come in and go, if this is who you want, this is what we need to be doing to the website. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's, that's all the comeback you got is. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's just, like, I, like, I kept waiting. I'm like on the edge of my seat, like Eric's about to take this to the next level. And it's just, yeah. Well, I, I try not to take over the show as much as I often can and let other people talk because God knows I have a propensity to do that. That's okay. You're not Kevin. We, we don't expect you to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I would love to hear what summer was going to say. Well, no, I was just going to say like also kind of parallels with like this whole, and I always hate to bring it up, but I feel like it's going to be a topic that we're just going to have to continue to talk about for (laughs) The foreseeable future, but this whole COVID situation, I think having the pandemic happen and the effect that it had on so many businesses and the very quick pivot that so many businesses had to make to like the e-commerce world when they were not expecting to have to do that, or it wasn't even in their plan to do that. And then all of a sudden you were kind of forced into like this new avenue like that brings up a whole set of, of questions. Like, what does that mean for websites going forward? Because now like you look at like the retail industry um, since the pandemic, like people like Ulta and Sephora who they, they can't have physical testers out anymore. So now they're going to like digital try on software on their website where you can go to their website and upload your picture and digitally try on whatever products that you're looking for. So Warby Parker does that with glasses. Yeah. Glasses. Mm, I mean, it's, that's kind of like the, and I think in some industries, like in the aesthetics world, um, they're doing virtual trade shows now for professionals where you're not physically going to, you know, the convention center in Las Vegas for your, for your, for your um, convention, (laughs) you're doing it virtually um, and having, you know, zoom rooms with you know different vendors and that sort of thing it's the beginning of the metaverse it is it is well it was sink or sink. it's unfortunate i really I hope the metaverse dies dies yeah i hope it doesn't last like i hope we can get back to like leaving our homes like at a reasonable level of confidence that we won't get like a virus because that's the only thing i could see the metaverse staying sustainable is like yeah, it's convenient. Don't get me wrong. Like working from home is great, but you get to a certain point where it's like, yeah, you know, like 
career fairs, trade shows. Like, yeah, I think virtual stuff is cool and it's innovative and it's, it's providing solutions, but like, you know, maybe this is just making me sound old now, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but it was just like, there's something to be said about in-person interactions that are still positive. I think, especially in the sales process of trying to build trust, but you know, maybe that's what's changing dramatically about the world. There's something about it. There's something about an old-fashioned high five that just well, yeah, the skin on some kind of way contact of a handshake. Yeah, but it's true though, and I think it's it's a pendulum. Like the pendulum right now is swinging way out, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we're definitely super reactive. I think to a lot of the things that are that are going on because there are a lot of questions, a lot of unknowns, and I think eventually it'll kind of you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, kind of level out. But yeah. I mean. I kind of take the same approach. Like I, yeah, like the idea of, of, a, of a virtual convention that I can go to, but also at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like we used to like, we used to go hang out with our friends. Like we used to go to the movie theater, exactly. hang out, we used to go bowling, whatever it was, you know what I mean? Or even just to the coffee shop and, and just chill. And like, those are kinds of things that you can't, we can't just do anymore without first having to stop and think about, okay, what's the procedure here? You know, got my mask. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's it's not second nature anymore. It's all very, very weird. Like it's just, and it's something that, you know, we forget even, you know, just from a global perspective as Americans, like, especially, you know, well, for Chelsea and I Texans, it's like a whole different story of when you leave this state and you're like, oh, you know, okay, that's right. I forgot that other states are still taking this seriously. Um, Yeah, I mean, Texas isn't. I'm not going to correct myself on that. But um, it's like, you know, I I go up to Colorado, go to New Mexico, and it's like, yeah, put a mask on. Like, what are you doing, idiot? Like, and then I was planning, like, I was looking at taking a trip, you know, next year at some point, and I was, like, looking at a handful of different places to go to, and then, like, I, like, got in, like, halfway through the itinerary before I was, like, are we even allowed in this country? And I, like, went and looked, and it was, like, no, Americans aren't allowed here. Like, we're the, you're the last people we want in our country because you don't believe in, like, you know, you're having so many troubles with COVID yourself. Like, we do have one of the highest rates. So, it's, like, it's so hard that like when you take the next step of planning stuff just outside of, you know, day-to-day planning, it just affects everything, you know, from the highest order down to the smallest decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as, as far as the, the metaverse, like kind of what you're saying is, is like, I can see it. I can see it kind of going both ways is would it be cool? You know, look at Xbox. Like, yeah, people used to, I'm not a gamer, obviously. I can tell, but keep yeah, going. Obviously, but my point being is like people used to sit in coffee shops, kind of what Summer was saying, but that didn't mean that Xbox didn't blow up. So in virtual reality didn't blow up. So I still think it could be a cool, it could be a cool thing to have as a gaming platform, but the yeah. commercials and the way that they're marketing it is also like a way to connect in conferences and like a way kind of like for us to connect via COVID um, and long distance relationships. I saw an ad like long distance relationships aren't so long, like um, um, offices aren't, you know, remote anymore, this and that. And that's kind of what I think ideally, yeah, we'd all just really be together. 
Okay, so you guys are my most tech savvy people, or you're supposed to be. And in social media tied into the social media scene. Did you guys see what Facebook released last night? As Some far as the VR goes? Creepy stuff, I'm sure. Was it it's it's a glove that you put <sighs> on and it's That's VR, not a good start. But you you can actually feel the sensations of picking something up in the virtual world. Wait, have y'all seen that show? What's the show? It's kind of corny, not great acting. Hold up. But it's well, like that narrows it down. And you oh no, but it's uh that was something on the CW. <laughs> hey, I sold the CW. That was my first job was to sell the CW. Uh, God anyway, bless you that you moved out of that. That struggle. must have been a struggle. I will, I will find <laughs> it. I will find it while you guys talk about this real quick, but basically it's like down the line, you can decide if you want to die or if you want to get the, me- the mental chip in, like an afterlife. Hell yeah. And then yeah, oh, the afterlife that, That's a, a Black Mirror episode. No, it's not. It's a whole series. It is, but I mean, they probably yes. yeah, extended yes. it into it. Except it's like a whole insane. different show that it's like, whatever, anyway. But the guy, uh... you can wear like, you can put on like suits if you're alive, you can put on suits and like visit people in the afterworld and like it feels like you're really there. It's like the same concept, I guess. I think it's going to be interesting when we get to the processing power and internet speeds are at a point in this country when we can do stuff that is like rendering. It's where the video game industry will mold with what the metaverse is becoming to where I can put on a VR headset and play a game Um probably the best example of like actual first person gaming in vr is resident evil 7 right now and it is a horror game that you kind of navigate through the world and it feels like you are living in a horror movie it's truly unbelievable the way they were able to create it but the issue is is that can't happen in real time it can't happen over an internet connection and be produced in real time that was it's all staged events that you're existing within so when we get to that point that we can produce, you know, content in the metaverse that's on a, an engine that looks good enough for something like, you know, a computer or gaming system to render in real time, which it will be computers. Computers are already thousands times more uh, powerful than any gaming system. But when you get to that point, it's going to become truly unbelievable, you know, and it's where video games are going to fully merge with reality, you know, and it's They're like it's been happening. Getting there, though, I don't know if you're familiar week, with this. You know, and I, I don't even know why. Well, I know why I know this. <laughs> I, sometimes I wish I didn't know this, but there's this whole. Have you heard of VTubers? No. Okay, so it's literally where a person, kind of like you know, like if you're Twitch streamers that stream on Twitch, um, it's usually I think I want to say it started in Japan. They've got. A ton of people in Japan, they, they've got people in like Indonesia. I think they've got some here in the U.S. as well. But they're basically they're yeah. called YouTubers. And what they yeah. are, they're people who have 3D, they're kind of anime-ish like characters. And they right. stream video games as this like cartoon. I don't want to say cartoon because I don't want to offend anime lovers. But you know what I mean? Like they're yeah, virtual man. people. <laughs> You know, they're who are streaming video games now. And this mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, these videos yeah. get millions and millions and millions of views. My, my son weird, is watching some of them now. Yeah, it's that weird meld between like reality and video games that's like. Which, 
I don't understand this whole following somebody else while they play a video game. Like, I just don't get it. Like, pick up the console and play the video game. Why are you watching other people? Get off the sideline. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, that, that's you, a whole different rant. Do you, do you watch the NFL or any right. games or anything like that? You watch those sports ball teams on the <laughs> old television? You watch <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't even know what the Here's golf was. What is that? The work, the, uh, what is it? PGA. The Masters? That's also, that's part of the PGA. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the difference though, Chelsea, on that is I physically cannot do those things. Golf? As a gamer, I can get on and play the game. Hey Chelsea, why'd you go full guns up after the Masters? That That was my curious. You're like, Masters? (laughs) You didn't even hear my sound effects. There was sound effects less. I could have gone boo, 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 boo. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. But yeah, Brian brings up a very, very valid point. Is it's fun to golf in a video game because you don't have to be good. Just like it's fun to try to escape like to a cannibal good. ranch in Louisiana <laughs> in Resident Evil when in reality I try to avoid that in my day-to-day life. Right? Yeah, no one wants oh. that in their day-to-day no. life. I have... But I want, I have a question though. So Eric and kind of Brian, I suppose as gamers, do you guys, Summer, are you a gamer? I used to be, not so much anymore, but yeah. Okay. Post gamer. Would you guys, are you guys against metaverse in the virtual reality sense of it then? Like in the, I don't like, like, like. So are you against it to use it in the gaming world? So I here's what I online normally, to be honest. I like an individual experience because I like being able to control the variables and not have like 12 year olds be better than me at what I've paid money to do. <laughs> but I think you could, don't you think you could play it like with the people that you're with? I mean, well, could we? yeah. Do I want to? No. See, here's, here's the thing. Like I enjoy... Isaac and his friends get on and they play Fortnite like every day. I do enjoy getting on there and playing with them because I can kind of number one, keep eyes on, on Isaac and who he's playing with and, and everything else. But number two, you know how those modern warfare lobbies used to be on 360, man. That's where boys became men. That was but brutal. Here's, here's yeah. the thing. Like when I first started dating Chelsea, her brother was doing um, Call of Duty on Xbox yeah. and you would log in and everything uh-huh. else and you'd be sitting there playing it. And I was like a, a 25-year-old guy playing this game and there were like 10-year-olds that were like talking so much trash to me. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Like I can't even talk tra- trash back because that's an adult picking on a child and it just took the fun out of the game. And... Uh-huh. You know, See, you back know. then, you could. Back then, it didn't matter. Like, it literally, I mean, like it was. 2010? Mm-hmm. Maybe I just had a little bit more um, <laughs> politeness and manners mm-hmm. during that time frame of development. But now I'm like, you know, it. it I, I can talk trash without talking trash with them. But um, the the whole thing about it, though, is there's a commercial right now that proves my point exactly. And I don't think that they did it intentionally, but this proves my point. Have you guys seen the quest commercial, the quest Two commercial? 
What? What's Quest? The Oculus Quest 2. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. I was, yeah, I was nowhere close to that. Yes, I have. Okay, so the commercial that I'm talking about is these two guys that they're like best friends in VR and playing all these games together. And they're like, hey, mate, you want to play some more? And and they're doing kind of this we're besties kind of thing. And you can be besties with anybody in the world. And then all of a sudden you hear them like getting to, they're celebrating and the one guy goes over to the wall and puts his ear up to it and listens to the other side of the wall and the other guy's doing it. And they're like, Oi, keep it down like that. And then they put their headsets back on and it's them talking to each other. Like you're best friends online with the person next door to you. And you don't even know that it's the person that's next door to you. Like that's, Mm -hmm kind of highlighting my whole point is that we become anti-social by moving our whole lives into the social and the the virtual reality of uh of internet opportunities there or internet usage yeah that's why the world is you know how like since like probably again since like around 9-11 like every year's kind of gotten worse and like it's never gotten better that's like if you really think about it it's from a conspiratorial point of view like it's because conspiracy theories back in the day in the 80s and 90s they were kind of fun you know like who shot jfk nobody knows it was one of the secret service members actually it was an accident i digress but ever since then things kind of just kind of curved into this weird platform of where you're like damn like there's a lot of people that believe the earth's flat and that is just not something that would ever get any traction. And it's because before the internet, people used to just stand on a street corner and scream that with like a sign around their waist. And everybody's like, Oh, there's one crazy, you know, SOB. And then since the internet began, people with fringe belief systems were able to have a platform to share their thoughts. And, you know, that's how it kind of has expanded into these weird movements where you're just like, how the hell do, you know, X amount of people really truly believe the earth is flat or, you know, that vaccines cause autism or something like that. It's just like false things that are just not real. And it's like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, because there's something parasocial about the online interaction that society when we're in person can weed out the insanity somewhat. Because it's like real easy to call somebody a dumb SOB on Facebook, but you would never say that to somebody's face. So what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. Keyboard courage. It's also the sharing of belief system and maybe, you know, thinking about belief systems more than you would if you saw somebody in person yelling this at you and they clearly hadn't bathed for three days. You're probably like, oh, the earth's probably not flat. But when you're in a chat room with somebody and are lonely and you have no idea any visual representation of that person, they might sound like they know what they're talking about, especially to somebody who's naive about technology or if they're just getting lied to straight up by the person's credentials. And what will that look like as we move into the metaverse? Facebook's already almost completely destroyed our republic of a country. So it's like, what will it look like now that we move that into VR? It is, it's bizarre, but it's there's no I actually Facebook's not that. go ahead one sec i was just gonna say facebook's not ever tapping the brakes and saying should we you know they absolutely are saying could we but they're never seemingly doing that and it's what's pissing me off yeah yeah so for everybody that's listening to this the the three people listening to this uh including us on this call 
Hey, we or, love or all three of you, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> we're not taking that lightly at all. We only have, ooh, we have a comment on the thread. Eric Mayhall uh -oh. said, did she really just call anime cartoons? I <laughs> <laughs> huh. so, caught myself, um, to be fair. You did, you did. Self-awareness, though. We love a self-aware queen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Griffin Wink posted uh, today a clip of Life of the Brand that referred to that exact topic about the um, metaverse and, and Facebook and the issues that they're facing right now and having to face those in, in multiple arenas. So I would highly recommend you, you check that out. But this kind of, okay, hold on, everybody buckle up because I'm going to try and swing this <laughs> into the, the next subject that I wanted to talk about. And that is the, the, uh, what we're talking about here are all these different it. segments of the, the internet, which is really segmenting things so hard that it makes it difficult for advertisers to be able to target a, a wide cast like you used to be able to. And so you have to be very, very targeted. And, and my question is, you know, with that in mind, and you have all these different pockets throughout the internet, like you were talking about the flat earthers now have this, this environment, this group that they can kind of partner with. Um, now, switching all around the globe, the they're able to connect. Well, across the map. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the questions that I had was, um, these generations and the social media platforms. Now, these are their own little pockets. Which generations are using what social medias and how do we as marketers and, and social media people, how do we talk to particular generations and on what, what things? Up to this point, we've been able to go, hey, you know, we're going to do social media, which means we're going to do Facebook, Instagram, um, and maybe throw some Twitter in there if you want to hit those those uh, political nuts uh, or news junkies. Um, how do we, which, uh, which generations are using what platforms? And it was really interesting. This is that rabbit hole I started going down um, that, that kind of had it. And which ones are up and coming? I mean, we, we talk about TikTok is the fastest growing social media. Um, did you definitely not know? up and coming anymore <laughs> no it's here no, but i i saw this interesting um thing did you know that tiktok tiktok hit one billion users this year really i would have guessed it was sooner sooner i would have guessed it was last year that's nope. uh, that's they, interesting in, three years ago they had 133 million subscribers yeah and in october I guess it was in September. September they hit one billion users. I think I think they hit one billion because this year, because some countries like Eric and it just hit one billion this year because some countries have banned it, so it went back down and then back up. Yeah, yeah, true. I yeah. think like half like of those are Chelsea just running Tom Holland uh, stan accounts. Yeah. I, just I, secret, I, just secret weird stand accounts. If weirdly, I think I I would love a Tom Holland stand account. So now I might start one. Fan cams, so, yeah. If you get followed by one tonight, it won't be. Me. <laughs> I'll know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, TikTok you know, if is you're, terrifying. If, if you're trying to hit 
you know, a certain demographic, which social media platform do you go to? I feel like, you know, just based off of like what we use, it wouldn't be too hard to say, but what's fascinating to me is I would love to see TikTok's demographics when they had 131,000 to what they look like when they have 1 billion now and their breakdown and age gap, because I bet you it started mostly as children and still probably is over 50% under 21, but I bet you the older generation is making up a much larger portion of that demographic base because I am continually blown away at the variety of content and people on TikTok. It's so it is a little bit more spread out. I actually looked this up. It's cool. 25% are from 10 to 19. So yeah. 25% is under 20. 22.4% from 20 to 29. So Okay. That's a and, problem. And then interesting. 21.7% is 30 to 39. Wow. Yeah. That's a shockingly even breakdown. And then wait Holy for this Holy crap. Wait for this one. Another shock. 20 point. <laughs> another shock. 20.3% 20. is from 40 to 49. Okay, so that's defied all my expectations. A decently basically even, flat. A decently even break. And then 15 ups goes down to 11. Well, uh, you know. So that makes sense. But so, yes, 25% of TikTok's active users um, are under 29. That is unbelievable. I bet you there isn't another social media that's broken out that evenly. So Facebook I've, has I've to have... Graph majority 25 and over sorry god Brian. well and and i've got i've got this one when i was doing my my research today um it's pew research and it's um let's see where was it i was just looking at it while i was listening that one was to... from march of 2021 so if you, you might have one that's more recent yeah this one's uh of august of 2021 oh. and it says millennials make up and remember, that's that huge, huge one. I think it was, what, 1980 to 1996 or something like that. Um, but the millennials make up years, 58% of users. Uh, oh, here, here it is. 58% of users are between 18 and 34. And then... 18 and 30. Um, is this Facebook, you said? This is Facebook alone. And then... I wouldn't um, guess that. The baby boomers are uh, around 21% with 55 plus. Um, so your baby boomers are actually your sec, uh, generation X is at 26%. So 35 to 54. So 18 to 34 is 58% users. 26% of users are 35 to 54. And then it drops down to 21% is 55 plus. Makes sense. I think I will likely delete Facebook in the next year. I've been like very, very close to doing it. And the only reason I'm keeping it is for staying in touch with people. 
But the last year I've really realized like anybody that I want to stay in touch with, like it, like I'm, I'm already in touch with, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Would is you, like would you delete the, Instagram? No, I love Instagram. Instagram is almost so you mean better you, than TikTok. You just, so you mean you just don't like the platform, not like because you're taking a stance because Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just doing it for my own mental health. It has nothing okay. to do with like capitalism as like a bigger, as a broader statement. Yeah. Okay. It's not... I thought you meant you were sta- standing up to meta. No, it's okay, so... entirely selfish reasons. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys a question here. Can you name the top five social media accounts by popularity? What? Can you name the top five social media platforms by popularity? Platforms. In order? Yeah, okay. When you said accounts, I was like, I, what? Yeah, yeah, I was reading. I was reading at the same time I was talking. I shouldn't try to do that. In order? I mean, really? yeah, Facebook. in order. Yes. Facebook one. No. Ooh, I think. What kind it- of bullshit? <laughs> what, kind, what kind of other things acquire as, uh, is as it, social media? Is though? It WhatsApp? No, keep, keep going. No, keep going. You got, but you got is this, it it's, something like WhatsApp? No. Oh, I was going to say, is it Baidu? No. Uh, Twitter? You, you, gotta, you got one here, Summer? I think Summer's going to get it. I doubt it. I really doubt it. I mean, I would assume Instagram would be up there. Instagram is number one with over one billion users per month. Oh, but oh, so it's monthly volume. It's how much time people. It's how many users, not accounts. Okay, right. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Instagram so, is way more addictive than Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instagram is number one. What's number two? Think, Facebook. Think addiction. Guess, uh, <laughs> think addiction. Uh, okay, Twitter or TikTok in that aspect. Wait, there's oh, more. wow. Are we talk? What are we talking about? Are we talking about how much time you spend on the app? Or how no, many this users is are on the app? This, this is how many us- users per month. Um, I feel like I just named every other like viable social media platform. YouTube. Oh, yeah, YouTube. Uh, Which is oh, kind of okay. shocking. Yeah, I wouldn't I really. I don't really mess I wouldn't with say YouTube. that's social media. It is. It does. Yeah. It's like, you know, video. Only, you know what but... the number one category of YouTube is? Fortnite or like Minecraft. Like YouTube we kids. talked about it earlier. It's following gamers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm that you, uh, that's nobody knows, but the video game industry is bigger than the music industry combined with the film industry. Yeah. Number three. What's number three? Oh my god, I'm old. Facebook. We haven't Face Facebook is number three. <laughs> number four is Twitter. Number five is TikTok. And then number six is Pinterest. Yeah, and then Snapchat is like, they should just sell that. Number seven is Snapchat. Snapchat sucks. I haven't opened Snapchat. I I got a new phone like a while ago, and I haven't logged into Snapchat yet. I have an account. I just don't ever use it. I I look at Twitter every now and then, and I don't really YouTube. I don't Facebook at all, and I don't Instagram. I actually only – I look at TikTok. YouTube is pr- my primary source of what I watch on my television. Um, I would say I watch at least like five hours of YouTube a day, but it's not me watching it. It's just on my TV playing. 
-hmm. And that's what I use instead of other streaming services because I bought, you know, the $15. I have no idea what they call it now. It's premium or red or some gibberish, but um, whatever it is, I don't have ads anymore. So I can kind of access whatever I want and just have a stream of consciousness. And it's, you know, you have, you can pick the most niche topic that interests you and have a lifetime of content to watch and learn about it. So somebody's like into being a nerd for a lot of different reasons. It's just awesome. So it's kind of funny that I didn't even think of that as being like a social media platform when it's the one that's probably most integrated into my life. Yeah. Doesn't YouTube also double as, isn't it also like the second largest like search platform, like after Google? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't spend, I guess, as much time for YouTube. I use YouTube as like mostly informational. Like I go to YouTube too, when I'm looking up how to do something usually. Um, Yeah. And so, but I was looking, I guess I did not realize that YouTube also is adapting to the TikTok wave and came out with YouTube shorts. Yep. So those vertical- I don't think they're very popular, but- (laughs) Yeah, I, I, so that makes quite literally, has has Twitter came out with any sort of- They tried it, they beta tested it, but killed it. What yeah. Twitter's pushing That's now good. is their take on, um, golly, what was it called, man? The uh, the, the 80s chat line, um, Clubhouse. They're starting to uh, they're starting to do more leaning towards that direction of having rooms on Twitter you can join. And I just see all these DJs I used to follow when I was working in the EDM industry are all talking about NFTs and other crap like that. Mm-hmm. What are you guys' thoughts on NFTs? I don't, I don't, I guess I don't understand it enough to be like all for it. I just like the ones I see on Twitter are just so effing ugly. I'm just like, who would want to buy this like lame, digitally created like cartoon lion, anime lion? But it's just like, you never, you just can't, I can't wrap my head around it at all. Of like, like I, I don't understand what you do with it. You have a meta. I think you're in the metaverse. You can have a museum where you hang up pictures and stuff. But again, I don't know what's stopping somebody from screenshotting it and putting it in the metaverse too. So it's just like, I get that, you know, you're assigned as the owner on the blockchain and a digital registry. And it's like, that's great, man. But like, Like, yeah, meta copyright infringement. My dad, my dad's building a house and he's like, once one of those like, um, digital fish tanks. Picture frames it. Ah, oh, word. That's yeah. Cool. You know, where he was, or he was just talking about it. He's like, wouldn't that be cool? And he goes, but I was looking at them and there's like certain ones you could pick from. He was like, why? He was like, why couldn't I just put whatever kind of fish in there that I wanted? He was like, it's a metaphorical just- fish tank. <laughs> But that's the thing. You'll buy the fish tank in the metaverse and then you'll have to pay $50 to buy a digital clownfish to put in your digital fish tank. And at that point, I would probably just have a stroke out of just things would be getting too meta and I'd just be upset that I spent money on a digital fish. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that might be a little bit above his head, but... (laughs) Then again, people spend money to get costumes in video games now. Right. Oh yeah, micro, I mean, micro, oh. Tra- we're being microtransaction to death, and I think we're going to continue to be app subscriptions, add-ons to things. I mean, people. Yeah, can I was be, looking. Can be, 
You can go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I was looking at our, our stuff the other day and, you know, we cut the cord, but we're now paying so much in little subscriptions to different apps for streaming that I'm paying almost as much as I was when I had cable. But I will say this, my, my parents, my, my dad called me this morning, all angry. And I mean, you guys, have, you guys know my dad, he was all upset. And they got their cable bill and it went up $70 in one month and without any notification or anything else. And he's like, why? And of course he used, you know, Randy language. He's like, why did this go up? And here's what's funny about it. I I always give him this, this little response. And I'm like, dad, you, you ran cable companies for 30 years, you know exactly why it went up. Don't act like you don't know why. And he's like, well, this is just ridiculous. And I was like, you used to get mad at people for questioning you and, and coming back at you on how expensive cable was all the time. And now you're doing the same exact thing. He's like, well, yeah, because I have to pay for it now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, those little micro subscriptions and everything else, Isaac's always asking he asked us the other day, this had, I don't know if this was smart of him or, or not, but you know the trend that these um, athletes are now starting to get paid in Bitcoin? He came back and he was like, Dad, instead of just getting cash for my allowance, can I get it uh, in V-Bucks? And I was like, no. Like, you're not going to spend your allowance money on skins for your Fortnite characters then I was like, well, it's, I mean, it's his money. If that's what he wants to do with it, then so yeah. be it. But like that's he this week alone, he's he probably spent. Well, I don't know how much he spent, but he I know he bought a couple of packs of V-Bucks this week. So those back are those little micro charges. Back in my brother's day, I remember it was Minecraft. Yeah. That was like the it's a. It's a huge discourse in the video game industry right now is microtransactions, which is this idea that you're making people buy stuff that is then a, they're really buying an opportunity to gamble and they'll buy like a prize box. And then it's a guess of what you get in the box. And it might be, you know, a new outfit. It might be a better weapon. It might be something like that. But it's happening. So, now and kids are falling prey to it. You know, they well, don't realize the equivalent of a lottery ticket. It, it's not happening now. It's been happening for a long time. Do you remember the simulation game, The Sims? I mean, it's still around, but when it was really popular and, yeah. and first came out, one of our former clients, his side gig, his side hustle was he was creating items to sell in The Sims and he made quite a bit of money doing it. And I'm like, when you say <sighs> created items, he'd be like, oh, I'd make like lamps or dogs or uh rugs or any of this stuff and i'm like people actually bought that stuff and he was like enough to pay off my student loans i was like you've got to be kidding me i gotta start building some kind of nonsense for some video game man get into the metaverse start building up yeah exactly but then i would you have know to get the nft discourse and that pff, not gonna do it can't do it i you have know this much open room for my mental health and nft is going to cake up like that much Here's well you know go ahead go ahead summer no go for no, it. no no because i'll let you finish because then I, I want i'm going to kind of shift a little bit so go ahead. okay i was going to tell eric that he knows it's coming when i'm going to go 
hey, Eric, I want to create an office in the metaverse that we can all log into and and be a part of and have NFTs up on the walls. And I'll be like, really perfect. Cool. Let me just learn AutoCAD. Yeah, let, a really <laughs> cool um, one singular office for all of our locations. Yeah, it's just going to be like Wally. Well, it, you know, I'm open for it. I'm open to it. What were you going to say, Summer? All this, I don't know why this popped into my head, but it's kind of a disruptor because kind of we were talking about, okay, how do we advertise now in a, in, you know, in this new age, have you guys heard of free water? Yep. So this, the, what they do is they distribute free water and people pay for advertising space on their packaging, which is what basically pays for the water itself and the company to run whatever it runs. And they just, then they just distribute that water for free, which is really long before capitalism sinks its teeth into that and monetizes it. Mm -hmm. That is how do they, they, who are water comrades? So basically you like, do they have a brand? If it's on the street, if it's literally, I mean, it's literally the whole idea. It's kind of, it seems like this nice like mesh because it's any brand who wants to get their stuff in front of somebody, you can go onto their website. You can create your campaign. You pay them, they send you the water and you literally hit the pavement and hand out your free water. Mm. And then supposedly it comes with like, they have some, they, they donate like 10% to charity. Supposedly their ROIs are really crazy good. It's very, very interesting and extremely disruptive, which I love um, because who would have thought about something like that? It's this weird mesh of like philanthropy and capitalism. Mm -hmm. Big eyed fish water. Big eyed fish (laughs) water. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna look it up. It is really interesting. I love the concept of it of trying to, like you said, Summer, it's turning you know the capitalist idea on its head mm-hmm. while still promoting capitalist ideals. It's great. It's rare. It's just very interesting from a philosophical point of view alone. But yeah, as an advertiser, it's it's really cool, really just innovative. See, like where, like I would have never thought that someone like that would ever come to fruition or come about which is one of the things that I love about all of this met, like this mesh of like reality in the digital world and like melding the two and just seeing like what's going to happen in the next like 15 to 20 years in terms of how we live our lives and how we consume things and what we do. Like I'm oh, look, really it says, interested to see what that looks like. It says, mm-hmm. 10 cents from each beverage is donated to charity to build water wells for people in need. We only need 10% of Americans to choose free water so we can solve the global water crisis permanently. So like shout out to free water. If you want to sponsor us for that, uh, that shout out. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. They didn't pay for any sponsorship stuff here. We don't do charity. (laughs) We want, Yeah. Free water just followed the page, and they do not look happy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What I meant to say was, we are excited to be a part of helping solve the world's water crisis with free water. I'm going to get 35 million people 
It's like the population of Texas. They just need Texas to choose. They actually water. just started oh. distributing it in Austin. God, yeah. they're already moving. They don't need our help. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, they do. Everybody needs our help. Everybody could. Everybody could benefit from our help. There's no right. doubt about that. I'm sure anybody who's watched the last hour will attest to that to their friends and family. Right. Well. In the effort of trying to wrap this up on time and everything else, uh, if, if we got anything out of today, you know, it's talking marketing isn't always talking about marketing solutions as much as it is understanding demographics and where mm-hmm. they are. Because as we say all the time, it's advertising only fails for two reasons. You either take the right message and put it in the wrong spot or the wrong message in the right spot. So knowing where your demographics are and, and who's using what, how they're using it, what their expectations are of uh, engaging with that helps be able to really target in on the correct messaging. So uh, appreciate everybody jumping on. I'm going to jump off because I've got to go pick up my truck. Cool. It's well, it's ready. Ryan has um, a truck for two weeks. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, no, I'm not even picking up my truck. I'm picking up a loaner because they're anticipating it to be that much longer. Oh, well, at least you got a loaner. I mean, there's no shortage. And, of, uh... and I just found out exactly why I have this issue. And I'm about to have to speak with some lawyers that are officing, officing around us because it is insane. Oh, gosh. So on yeah. that happy note, follow us on yeah. social media. You can find us on at the break room every other Wednesday on our Facebook and YouTube pages. We have a little more formal podcast that we produce on the weeks that we're not produced in the break room, which Brian mentioned earlier called Life of the Brand. You can find that on all the places you listen to podcasts. We will also upload the break room to all areas and places that you listen to podcasts in the next two days here. So um, until next time, let's uh, all get back to work.